see all of you. Those of you that are watching online, thank you for joining us as well. As Pastor John mentioned, we are starting a series this morning called uh, Untangled. Everybody say Untangled. And, and I'm, I'm excited. When we've been doing all of the talk about here, uh, started out this year talking about here is the best place to be because that's where God is. God is always in your here right now. Whether it feels like it or not, this is the very best place that you can be. And kind of moved through a couple of series and then we finished up with <clears throat> the kingdom of God is here. And during that series, I, I really felt we were going to kind of go a different direction. We had some fun. By the way, let me just give a quick shout out to Pastor Tommy. Thought he did a great job last Sunday finishing up Mama Said. And uh, we appreciated that message as well. And, uh, but during, during that last series, uh, The Kingdom is Here, I really felt like I wanted to go into Galatians. I wasn't 100% sure exactly why, but I felt like there was a tie between God is here and then some of the themes that Paul was talking about in the book of Galatians. And so uh, we're going to spend about five weeks looking through some of the, 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 the bigger topics of the book of Galatians. It is a very foundational book um, for a believer. Uh, all of the epistles, the epistles were books that were written to the church um, to give us instruction. It was to help, to help to give us a foundation, but also to help to grow us, to mature us, to make us more like Christ. And for me personally, the book of Galatians has been a book that has um, just really, I think, changed my life uh, way back in the early days. This is not on. And, um, and so back in the early days when, when Shelly and I went to Bible school, it was the book of Galatians that really began to bring some liberty, thank you, some liberty into my life, bring some, some peace into my life, understanding really what it was that God did for us because many of you probably are the same way. I was raised with a, what I would call a performance-based Christianity. I don't know if that makes sense to you or not, but my Christianity was based solely or, or much about me, how I performed, what I did. They taught me that if I showed up in church, they would put a little star by my name. If I brought my Bible, they would put another star by my name. What that taught me was that it was, I didn't have to read the Bible. I didn't, I didn't have to stay awake in church. I just had to show up, and you know what? If I got enough stars, I got a Hershey bar. In other words, the better I performed, the more candy I got. Now, you know, we do things like that to motivate people, to encourage people, and then we hope that they take a hold of something, but it was based on performance. And so we're going to do some, some study in the book of Galatians, a little bit different style of teaching than what I would normally do, a little bit different maybe perhaps than what you are accustomed to hearing, but I think it's going to be very, very important for all of us uh, to understand this. Pastor John mentioned the first 15. Let me mention that as well. I would highly encourage you, there are six chapters in the book of Galatians, and uh, I would just encourage you every day, read a chapter tomorrow, read chapter one, then chapter two, you will finish the book of Galatians in a week, and then you can have Sunday off because I'm going to talk about it, and then the next week, guess what? Do it all again. Maybe read it in a different version. Read the New King James, then read the New International, uh, uh, whatever it might be. Read it in a different version because it brings out different, it gives it a little bit of a different twist, a little bit of a different uh, uh, profile. So anyway, that's, that's a little bit of introduction. Uh, about this. And then the message. The reason that I called this untangled, I have probably one of the greatest desires of my life. I love anything cordless. Anyone? I love anything. I was power washing yesterday. Power wash, uh, uh, you know, a pressure washer. It has two 
I would call it cords. There is the one that attaches to the house. That is the water supply. That is my garden hose. And then there's another hose that, that from the machine to the wand so that I can pressure spray. You know what that is? That's double trouble. Because I don't know what it is, but anything, particularly hoses, they catch everything. And it doesn't matter. Or they kink and then the water runs out and you're like pulling on it. Like, come on. You go over there and you, and you know, I think one of my favorite graphics was from the movie uh, Christmas Vacation when Chevy Chase was getting ready to, to, to decorate his house and he handed a ball of Christmas lights to Rusty and he said, here you go, Rusty, work on this for a while kind of a thing because it was all tangled up. And I don't know what it is, but, but it seems like any kind of anything, there's just a great, great capacity for it to become tangled up in something, to become tangled. And so the reason that I'm calling this untangled is because as I was reading through the book of Galatians a couple of months ago, this verse really came to my attention. It's in Galatians chapter 5 and verse 1, and it says this, Stand fast, therefore, in the liberty by which Christ has made us free, and do not be entangled again with a yoke of bondage. Do not be entangled again with a yoke of bondage. Don't get tangled up again. Don't get tangled up again in the bondage, in the stuff that used to hold you before. So in other words, Paul is teaching the church at Galatia how to live a life that is unentangled. Now, when you see that word, don't be tangled up again with a yoke of bondage, I don't know what you might think of when it comes, when, when it comes to the phrase yoke of bondage, but, but somebody tell me, when you think of bondages that Christians can fall into, what would that be for, for anyone? Just shout it out. This is the participatory part of our service today. Death, anger, death, or debt? Legalism, debt, anger. What else? Jail. <laughs> Well, hopefully that's not a part of a Christian lifestyle, but man, you know, I do know some of you that might be an option. So anyway, uh, thank God. We may not be perfect, but we should be progressing. Amen? Amen. And so we think about some of those things when it relates to bondage. We, anger or fear or debt, all of these other things. I, I want to tell you this morning, that's not what Paul was talking about. When he said, don't be entangled again with the yoke of bondage, he wasn't talking about those kinds of things. Actually, the bondage that he was talking about might lead to those kinds of things, but that's not initially what he was talking about. And so when we talk about the book of Galatians, we're going to hit some major themes, not verse by verse uh, or, or even chapter by chapter, uh, but it is some of the major themes of the book of Galatians. And the book of Galatians was written by the Apostle Paul. Uh, the word apostle means a sent one. Actually, Paul Paul, not a pastor, Paul was a, what we would maybe today we would call him a church planter. He was sent to different regions, different areas. He would go and he would preach the gospel of Christ. He would preach what Jesus had done and how we approach God by faith because of what Jesus did for us. And he went into those regions and he would then establish a church. And when he established that church, he would turn it over to other leaders that would then become the pastor or the leader of that church. And then Paul would write letters to those churches. Sometimes it was a church in a region like, like Galatia or Ephesians. That, that was a church that was, that was situated in a community or in a city or in a region. Or he would write letters to the leaders of the church. He wrote letters to Titus and to Timothy and different ones. And so the apostle Paul 
again, was a church, uh, was more of a church planter than he was a pastor. But the book of Galatians was written, and it's, I think, really, really important. If you look, uh, go ahead with it next. The region of Galatia, you can see Jerusalem down on the bottom of the screen, but the region of Galatia uh, up there, it's really what's present-day Turkey. Go up to Antioch. Over there is Sicilia. Uh, Sicilia. Uh, there's Derby. There's Lystra. That is the area, kind of right around the Mediterranean Sea. There, uh, it's about 300 miles from Jerusalem up to Antioch. Antioch actually is where the big earthquake happened uh, several months ago. Um, you may have heard about that on the news. Giant, giant uh, 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 earthquake that happened there. Actually, we helped to. Uh, we sent about three thousand dollars through another ministry to a church in Antioch to be able to help them in rebuilding and ministering to other people. Uh, and so that was, a, that was a, a great thing. But that was the region that Paul went to. He went from Jerusalem up there and he began to establish a church in that region of Galatia. I want to read Galatians chapter 5 and verse 1 from the message uh, translation this morning. Uh, I don't normally read that, but I, I want to... Uh, share this with you because I, I like the way that it says this. In Galatians chapter 5 verse 1, he said, Christ has set us free to live a free life. So take your stand. Never again let anyone put a harness of slavery on you. Now, like I said, what is that bondage? What is the yoke of slavery that he's talking about here? Then Paul says in verse 2, I'm emphatic about this. You'll find the tone that Paul was writing in was not a, a happy-go-lucky, just, hey, you guys are doing awesome. It's a little bit of a different tone in this letter. I'm emphatic about this. The moment that any of you submits to circumcision, circumcision is a cute, is a, is a, a, a uh, well, it's a, it's a, it's one of the, the big things that caused a lot of drama in the church of Galatia. We'll talk about that in just a moment. He said, the moment that any of you submits to circumcision, that was a sign of the law, it was a sign of, of the Mosaic law, the covenant of Abraham, or any other rule-keeping system, the moment that you submit to that rule-keeping system, at that same moment, Christ's hard-won gift of freedom is squandered. I repeat my warning. The person who accepts the ways of circumcision trades all the advantages of the free life in Christ for the obligations of the slave life of the law. Now, that might sound Greek to you. That might sound like, what is he talking about? That might sound maybe a little bit different to you. Uh, uh, but a lot of the drama that we're going to find out about in the book of Galatians and the purpose and the reason that it was written had to do with circumcision and the law of Moses. But the way that I would look at it today is that we would maybe think, well, you know, we're circumcised. Many are circumcised for health reasons. That's why we do it. Paul was saying it's one thing about maybe health reasons, but if you're doing it for spiritual reasons, it's not going to make you any closer to God. The same thing with the law of Moses. And again, many of us have been raised in a system of rule-keeping religion. The do's and the don'ts. We're on the hamster wheel of always trying to prove ourselves to God, always trying to be good enough to, 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 to go to God and to find his mercy, his help, and his grace. And again, Paul kind of divides this book into two different sections in a sense that he's talking about what happened, what God did for us through Christ, but he's also talking then about how that relates to how we live our life. 
That we don't just live our life to please the flesh. We don't just do what we want to do. But by the indwelling of the spirit of God on the inside of us through the new birth, we have power now to live a different life. And so when Paul said this, uh, um, again, uh, the, the circumcision and rule keeping does not make you closer to God. It doesn't help you. And so that's a lot of the drama. So I want to start with chapter 1, verse 1. We'll start at the beginning. You'll read the rest of it tomorrow, hopefully. And uh, you'll kind of work your way. A little bit of Paul's conversion uh, uh, and, and his time that he was uh, spent three years basically in the wilderness and, and had a revelation from God. But in chapter 1, verse 1, it says, Paul, an apostle, <clears throat> sent not from men nor by man, but by Jesus Christ and God the Father who raised him from the dead. Here Paul is establishing his authority. He said, I didn't come to the region of Galatia because a person or a group of people sent me. And I don't carry this, this, this uh, uh, title of apostle because it was conferred upon me by human beings. He said, I'm an apostle, uh, an apostle because of Jesus Christ and God the Father who raised him from the dead. Verse 2, all the brothers and sisters that are with me, this is written then to the church at Galatia, grace and peace to you from God, our Father, and the Lord Jesus Christ. Grace and peace is a theme that you will see really throughout Paul's writings because grace and peace always go hand in hand. Grace will always promote and bring us to the peace of God. The more that I understand grace, the more that I, the more of the peace of God I'm going to have in my life. Grace and peace to you from God the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ who gave himself for our sins to rescue us from the present evil age according to the will of God and uh, according to the will of our God and Father to whom be glory forever and ever. Amen. Paul gives a very, very friendly, very nice introduction of his letter to the church at Galatia. His greeting, his salutation. Hey, how you doing? Good to see you. Glad that you're here. Now let me kick your butt for a while. That's really what Paul was doing because in the very next verse, Everything changes. In the very next verse, Paul begins to jump into what it was that he really wanted to talk to them about. And Paul says, basically, I'm shocked. I cannot believe that you guys are here right now. Verse 6 says, I am astonished that you are so quickly deserting the one who called you to live in the grace of Christ. I am shocked that you've gone, actually that word AWOL, it, it would be AWOL. I can't believe that you guys have gone AWOL. I can't believe that you've left this, this, this truth that I have given to you. I can't believe that you've left this gospel of grace. I'm shocked. I'm shocked that, that so quickly you have moved away from the truth that I presented to you. He goes on and he says, uh, uh, I'm astonished that you are quickly deserting the one who called you to live in the grace of Christ and are turning to a different gospel. Gospel means good news. The gospel is what reveals to us our approach to God, that we approach God through faith in Christ. That's the gospel, that Jesus came, he, he had a mission, he had a purpose, he died on a cross, he took our sin upon himself, and he defeated sin on Calvary's cross, he died, and then he rose again. And when he rose again, he sat at the right hand of God, proclaiming a place of victory over the law, over sin, and over death. That is an approach to God, that is, that is how we approach God. 
And Paul said, I can't believe that you've gone AWOL from what I taught you. And now you're pursuing another gospel. The word another, it's really the word heteros, um, means the same of a different kind. Like if you had fruit, if you had an apple and an orange, they're both fruit, but they're heteros. They're, they're, they're the same, but different. And he said, you, you've left the gospel. You've left what I've taught you for another gospel. But then he said in verse, uh, he went on to say, it, it, it's actually not another gospel. There, you've left it for another gospel, but it's really not a gospel at all. It's got some elements that look right, but it's, it's, it's not a gospel. It's not right. And he, he, he goes on and, and, and he says in verse, go ahead in verse 7. Evidently some people are throwing you into confusion and are trying to pervert the gospel of Christ. And this becomes really the theme. It becomes the reason and the purpose for the book of Galatians. He said, there are some people who have come into your midst and they have polluted the gospel. They've actually pervert is the word here, but it's the word pollute. Something that was pure. Now something was added to it. And when it was added to it, it polluted it. Some people have come and they have taken the message that I was giving to you. Now they've added some other stuff to it. And they've thrown you into confusion and perverted the gospel of Christ. And so, you might think this doesn't apply to us today. I hope you understand this morning that, uh, that some of the themes that we're going to talk about, they are so deeply ingrained in us as people, in us as human beings, that it's hard for us sometimes to differentiate or to even understand. And so he said, these people that have come to you, and actually they were Jews, born again Jews. They, they believed that Jesus was the Messiah. They believed in being born again. But these Jews had come from Jerusalem to the region of Galatia, and they began to preach some things and teach some things about Paul. Part of the reason that Paul in his salutation said, I'm an apostle, not by a the will of any man, but because of God. is because there were these people, you know, we think of cancel culture today. How many of you have ever heard that phrase, cancer, cancel culture? We think it's something fairly new. It wasn't. It isn't. <laughs> it was going on in Paul's day. There were people who would come and King James, New King James says they would trouble Paul. Paul would go to a region and he would preach the gospel of Christ and these people would come right behind him and then begin to preach other things. They would say, you know what? Paul is really good and Paul's got some great ideas. He's got some great teaching, but I don't know if you know it or not, but Paul fell off a horse one time and he hit his head <laughs> and he got a concussion and then he was blind for a couple of days. <laughs> that was a pretty good one, wasn't it? <laughs> That was all me and the Holy Spirit. I can't, thank you, Lord. He fell off a horse, got a concussion, went blind. And when he came out of that blindness, he was crazy. I mean, it's good stuff, but boy, he's, he's making it way too easy for everybody. It's, it's far too simple. He has, he has taken this message of Jesus and, and, and he's made it too easy for people to come into the kingdom of God. It's just not that simple. So the book of Acts, and it's really interesting, the book of Acts gives a historical journey of the development of the early church. And in Acts chapter 15, the elite of the church, I mean, this is like, you know, the, the people, the, the, the gospel writers, Matthew and Mark and Luke and, and, and Peter and all these other people, they're, they're all there. These are, the, these are the, man, these are the who's who in the church world. And so they all meet <clears throat> to talk about some of the things that are going on in Galatia. They're talking about Paul and some of the other people that are with Paul. And basically, they're having a business meeting. And in the business meeting, they're saying, all right, what are the rules? 
How do we, how do we, what are the rules for this member, membership into our Christian club? How do we, how do we make sure that the right people are in there? And, and we're hearing this stuff that's going on in Galatia and all these other things that are going on. So we pick up the story in, in Acts chapter 15 and verse 1. It says, certain people came down from Judea or the Jerusalem area to Antioch. Now, these, these certain people were the ones that Paul was talking about when he said, you know what? There are some people that have come to confuse you and they polluted the gospel. They're the same ones. They came down from Judea to Antioch and they were teaching the believers, hear this, they were teaching believers, believers, they were teaching believers, unless you are circumcised according to the custom taught by Moses, you cannot be saved. Now, to us, whew, big deal. Imagine yourself, guys. You're 30 years old. You don't know what circumcision is until you see somebody sharpening a knife. And they're saying, if you really believe in Jesus, if you really want to go to heaven, words paint pictures, don't they? This is what they're talking about. There were, I don't know how many, hundreds if not thousands of men in the region of Galatia that thought they were being very, very spiritual by being circumcised. Now later, I... And so, so this is what they're, I don't know, can you imagine being in that meeting? It's like, honey, I'm not so sure about this. I'm going to wait in a car. I, you know, I, I don't know if I like this or not. <laughs> so he says, unless you are circumcised according to the custom that's taught by Moses, you cannot be saved. Verse 2, this brought Paul and Barnabas, Barnabas, one of the leaders in the church, into sharp dispute and debate with them. That was the people that were, that had come to uh, Antioch. So Paul and Barnabas were appointed along with some other believers to go up to Jerusalem, making that 300-mile trip down to see the apostles and the elders about this question. The church sent them on their way. That's the church in Galatia sent them on their way. And as they traveled through Phoenicia, Samaria, they told how the Gentiles had been converted. This was news to the Jewish people. Wait a minute. Salvation not just for the Jews? I mean, Gentiles, Gentiles, anybody that's not a Jew, Gentiles can be saved, Gentiles can be born again. That's, that's news to us. We, we didn't realize that. But it says this news made all the believers very glad. When they came to Jerusalem, they were welcomed by the church and the apostles and elders to whom they reported everything that God had done through them. They're having a great service. They're having a great time. You guys won't believe what's happening in the region of Galatia. People that we never thought could be saved, they're being saved and they're being healed and there's miracles happening and there's people being filled with the spirit God is at work it is revival it is awesome what's going on it's powerful and 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 the churches that they visited on the way it's about a 15 day journey from from uh, uh, Antioch down to Jerusalem so they visited other churches everybody's excited everybody's happy everybody's woohoo this is awesome verse 5 dun 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 then some of the believers who belonged to the party of the Pharisees stood up and said, the Gentiles must be circumcised and required to keep the law of Moses. Can you imagine? Hey, Woohoo, praise God. Wait a minute, wait, these people can't be saved unless they're circumcised. They can't be saved unless they follow the law of Moses. They have to keep the feast days. They have to know the songs that we sing. And they have to sing it like we do. They can't eat pork anymore. They've been eating bacon and sausage and pork chops. No more of that. Lust? I mean, circumcision, now no bacon? What? 
kind of religion is this? This is what the church, it sounds crazy, but this is what the church is discussing. This is what the church is talking about. Basically, they're saying, you have to become a Jew, act like a Jew, live like a Jew, then you can be saved. So, verse 6, the apostles and elders met to consider this question. They're thinking about it. They're talking, what do we do with these Gentiles? After much discussion, Peter got up and addressed them. Brothers, you know that some time ago, God made a choice among you that the Gentiles might hear from my lips the message of the gospel and believe. Now, this goes back to Acts chapter 10. You might remember Peter had a vision on a housetop, on a rooftop. He was hungry. He fell into a vision and he saw this sheet that came down and it was full of unclean animals. And God said, go ahead, kill and eat. And he said, I'm not going to, I'm not going to eat things that are unclean. And then God said to him, do not call unclean the things that I call clean. This happened a couple times. It, the vision came down. They said, You're, a, a guy by the name of Cornelius is going to knock on your door. I want you to go with him and go to his house and preach to them. Sure enough, here comes, you know, he goes down to hey, I'm supposed to go to your house and we're going to preach. And he, as he's talking to the people about what Jesus did, these are Gentile people, not Jewish people. As he's, as he's talking to them, this is around Acts chapter 10, right in there, Acts chapter 10, he's talking to them, and all of a sudden, without heads bowed, eyes closed, nobody looking around, if you want to be saved, raise your hand, none of that stuff, all of a sudden it says that they believed, and as they believed, they were filled with the Holy Spirit, and they began to speak with tongues, and all of the people around them were like, this is crazy, we can't believe, these people, these, the, the Jewish people thought that the Gentiles were horrible people. They're, they're beyond redemption. Anybody know anybody that thinks that there are people that are beyond redemption? Well, they would never be saved. They could never go to heaven. How big is the grace of God? Amen. I said, how big's that grace? Is it big enough for just the little things? Big enough for everything. And so they were astounded. This is in Acts chapter 10. Now here we are roughly five years later. And, and Peter's like, wait a second, you guys remember when I, I told you guys about when I went to Cornelius' house and, and we saw that those people, they, they, were, they received the Holy Spirit and, and, and we saw them work and, and, and he goes on and he says uh, in verse 8, God, know, God who knows the heart showed that he accepted them by giving the Holy Spirit to them just as he did to us. He did not discriminate between us and them for he purified, purified their hearts by faith. Basically, he was saying, God knows the hearts, and God did a work on the inside, and it wasn't through keeping the law, it wasn't through circumcision, it was because of faith. Verse 10, now then, why do you try to test God by putting on the neck of Gentiles a yoke, everybody say yoke, yoke. a yoke that neither we nor our ancestors have been able to bear? Why are you trying to make the Gentiles keep laws that we can't even keep? They're not Jewish. We are. They're not the seed of Abraham. We are. We can't keep it. Why are we expect them to keep it? I would put it into the 21st century. I've, I've heard somebody say it this way and it's helped me. Why do we judge people just because they sin differently than we do? Amen? Again, we may not be perfect. I shouldn't say it that way. We are not perfect, but we should be progressing. We should be growing. 
growing out of some of those things. And so he, he says this again. Uh, why do we test God? By putting on the necks of Gentiles a yoke that neither we nor our ancestors, ancestors have been able to bear. Remember what Paul said in Galatians 5.1. Don't be entangled again with a yoke of bondage. What was the yoke of bondage? We think of all these other things. The yoke of bondage, the yoke of bondage was legalism. The yoke of bondage was thinking that I needed to do certain things to get the grace of God. It, later on in the book of Galatians, Paul says, if you try to get the grace of God by earning it, it is no longer grace. Because you can't work for grace, you can't earn grace, and you don't deserve grace. Grace can only be received. And it takes a humble heart to be able to receive the grace of God. That's why humility is so important. Verse 11, no, we believe it is through the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ that we are saved just as they are. They say a few more things. They, they kind of give it the stamp of approval. Verse 19 says this. It is my judgment, therefore, this is Peter again, that we should not make it difficult for the Gentiles who are turning to God. I love that verse. I love that verse. We should not make it difficult for the Gentiles that are turning to God. We, the church, the leadership, we should not make it harder for people who are exploring, wanting to know, wanting to understand who God is. And think about what the church world many times does. I think inadvertent, we don't understand, we don't know. But we put all kinds of parameters on who's really saved. Unless you stop, when I grew up, smoking and drinking were two big things. If you smoked, you weren't saved. If you drank, you weren't saved. It went, if you went to, there used to be a bowling alley called Dee's Lanes. Anybody ever go bowling at Dee's Lanes? We could not go bowling at Dee's Lanes. You know why? They served alcohol. say that out loud in my church, but that's how I felt on the inside. <laughs> we couldn't dance because Christians don't do that. If you dance, you're not a Christian. I mean, we're talking square dancing, polkas, which again, like I say many times, you know, when I was in fifth grade, that was awesome. But when I got to about like eighth grade, I was like, I kind of want to dance with these girls now. Not afraid of girlitis anymore, so I'd kind of like to dance, but I can't because I've established a, a record that my church won't let me dance so I can get out of dance class. So all of these parameters that, that we, the church world, we've, we've been able to make the rules, uh, the club, you can't get in unless you do this, unless you act like this, or you, unless you quit this, uh, then, then you're a part of the club. And what we have inadvertently, I think, done is we have caused people to be on the hamster wheel of works. The hamster wheel, I just got to keep trying. I got to keep, I'm not good enough. I got to do this. I got to do that. All these other things. And then we live with a life full of condemnation and guilt and shame and everything else. But we've not realized that what God did for us in Christ Jesus was enough. It was enough. 
Now, I know that some people get uncomfortable. Well, you're just giving people a license to sin. As Brother Hagin used to say, people will sin without a license. <laughs> what I hope happens is that we help you understand that there's a power that's on the inside of you right now. And there's a freedom that we have to approach the throne of God right now. Not because of what we did, but because of what Jesus did. Not because of our works, but because of his blood. And basically what he was saying, I think that, let me go back here once. It is my judgment, therefore, that we should not make it more difficult for the Gentiles who are turning to God. I need to finish this up. So basically... I was thinking kind of this way. With, with, there's two gospels that, that Paul said, you know, you've, you've gone AWOL, you're following an, another gospel. Not really a gospel, but it's kind of a gospel, but it's a polluted gospel. And it really illustrates there's two approaches to God. There is the approach of grace and faith that brings us to God, but there is another approach. If you have notes, I've, I've put it in your notes this way, grace and faith versus works and legalism. Those are two of the, of the themes that are throughout the book of Galatians. It is really the place of faith and grace versus works and legalism. The definition of legalism is the idea that something must be added to the grace of God to either obtain salvation or to attain spiritual maturity. To get saved, to attain to salvation, I got to do certain things and be certain things or to prove my spirituality, I'm now going to do these things. And again, you might think, you know, it was extreme here in the book of Galatians. It was extreme in the book of Galatians. Got thousands of guys that are being circumcised thinking they're being spiritual, thinking that they're being <clears throat> spiritually mature. And Paul's like, well... Galatians chapter 3 verse 1 says this. Paul is angry. He's upset. He's, he's mad. He says, oh foolish Galatians. Actually, you could translate that stupid. Oh stupid Galatians. Who's cast an evil spell on you? You've been hypnotized. There's these gospels. These guys have been teaching these things. They've come from Jerusalem. They have some standing. You think that they, they, they know a lot. They've been attacking me. They've been accusing me. They've been slandering me. And now you've begun to listen to them. They've, who, who's cast this evil spell on you? For the meaning of Jesus Christ's death was made as clear to you as if you had seen a picture of his death on the cross. Let me ask you this question. Did you receive the Holy Spirit by obeying the law of Moses? This is not talking about the day of Pentecost type of receiving the Holy Spirit, but it is the regenerative power of the Holy Spirit on the inside of us that takes our old nature and makes it brand new. 2 Corinthians 5, 17, if you're in Christ, you are a new creation. Romans 10, 9 and 10, if I believe in my heart that God raised Jesus from the dead, if I confess with my mouth that he is Lord, I will be saved. That's way too simple. You got to quit this. You got to start that. Then, then maybe you'll be saved. No, it's as simple as believing in my heart and confessing with my mouth because God through Jesus already did the heavy lifting. He already did the hard part. I receive it by faith. That's what grace is. I receive it by faith. It is mine. I may not feel like it, but it's mine anyway. That's what faith is. And so again, let me ask you this question. Did you receive the Holy Spirit by obeying the law of Moses? Of course you didn't. Emphasis added by Pastor Brian. You received the Spirit because you believed the message that you heard about Christ. How stupid can you be? 
after starting your new lives in the spirit? Why are you now trying to become perfect? The word perfect is mature. Why are you trying to become more, more, more mature by your own human effort? That is the definition of religion. The definition of religion, it is man's attempt to please God through our own self-efforts. We're going to talk about the law. What was the purpose for the law? Why did God give the law? I'd love to go into it right now, but I got to finish this message first. It is man's attempt to please God through our own self-efforts. Again, you might think, well, I don't do that. I don't believe that. Is there anybody in here? I used to call it, I still call it, let's make a deal with God. God, I promise you. Man, I did this in baseball for years. God, I promise you, I will be at church every time if you help me get a hit. I should have never went to church because I never got a hit. Actually, one time. And then I failed. I didn't go to church. I, whatever. I, I'm going to be perfect after this, God. Let's make a deal, God. If, if you answer my prayer, God, this is the last time I will never ask you for anything ever again. Let's make a deal with God. I'm going to fast. I'm going to fast for 30 days. I'm, no, I'm going to fast for 40 days just like you've never fasted for 40 minutes. And we think that by our self-efforts, God is going to be like, ooh, man, they fasted lunch. Wow, I'm going to answer that prayer now. Your self-effort does not move God. It'll move you. Fasting will move you. Fasting will put you into a position to receive uh, information, knowledge, understanding. It will help your faith to spend time with God. That's the reason that we fast. We fast so that we shut down the flesh. We shut down our thinking. And we feast on the presence of God, on the word of God. On the life of God. It's not to change God's mind about something. That's your own work. That's your own self-effort. So quit trying to please God that way because that is what religion is. Religion is man's attempts to reach God. Galatians chapter 5 and verse 6. Or I'm sorry. So I need to finish this one. How do we become godly? How do I approach God? What is the, this, is, this is the kind of the heart of the book of Galatians. How do I become godly? How do I approach God? It's one of the major questions of the book of Galatians. I, I want to read this again because this, this verse, Galatians chapter 3 verse 1, would you go back to that for just a moment? And I will finish, maybe, probably. Paul asked, the, he said, let me ask you this one question. Kind of is two questions. He said, let me ask you this one question. Did you receive the Holy Spirit or did you get born again? Were you saved by obeying the law of Moses? Of course not. And then he said, Verse 3, how foolish can you be after starting uh, your new life in the spirit? Why are you trying to become perfect or mature? So the question is, how do I get saved? How do I, how am I born again? How am I right with God? Number one question. Number two question, how do I grow up? How do I become mature in God? And so Paul asks this question, how do I become godly? Salvation, is it by works or is it by grace? He says the same thing about growing into maturity or growing up. Is it by the works of the flesh or is it by the grace of God? Another theme that he talks about, the fruit of the spirit, 
fruit of the spirit that's on the inside of us versus the works of the flesh. There's a life that's on the inside of you right now. In Galatians chapter 5 and verse 6, it says this, And we to whom Christ has given eternal life don't need to worry about whether or not, whether we have been circumcised or not, or whether we are obeying the Jewish ceremonies or not. For all we need, all we need, all we need is faith working through love. Really, that's all I need? Just faith? I mean, if I just believe something, that's enough? Seems like it should be harder than that. Seems like there should be more involved than that. So, so really, what's our focus? Which gospel, in a sense, are we focused on? Are we focused on the gospel of grace through faith that Paul preached? Because that focuses on what Jesus did for us. Or, or are we focused on the gospel that the religious Jews were teaching, which was really focusing on me? Focusing on me, how I act, how I, what do I do, how, how I do those things. In Galatians 2.16, it says, Know that a person is not justified by the works of the law. You are not made right by the law. Some of you may still be trying to do the Ten Commandments. Can I tell you this morning? Maybe this will set you free. You're under no obligation to do the Ten Commandments. Now, some of you online, you might be turning me off right now. The Apostle Paul said that all ten of the commandments, they're fulfilled in one. Love one another. And if I, if I do that, well, how can I love people? I don't even like people. Bible says the love of God is shed abroad in our hearts by the Holy Spirit. The love of God is in you right now. It is faith that works by love. It is the heartbeat of God. And that heartbeat is in every single believer in Christ. Paul actually said, let me just throw this at you. Paul said, if there had been a law that was given that could have brought life, then righteousness or right standing would have been by the law. But there's not. You know what the law does? It condemns. The law says you're guilty. The law says you're not good enough. The law says these are those 10 things that you're not supposed to do and you keep doing them. Yeah, but I don't do certain ones. Doesn't matter. Peter wrote later, he said, if, I, if, you try to keep all, if you try to keep just part of the law, but you fail in another part of the law, you've broken the whole law. The law produces guilt. So again, know that a person is not justified, justified or made right by the works of the law, but by faith in Jesus Christ. So we too have put our faith in Christ Jesus that we may be justified by faith in Christ and not by the works of the law because by the works of the law, no one can be justified. I want to start with this verse that I, or end with this verse I started with in Galatians 1.3. Grace and peace to you. This is Paul. His, his greeting. Grace and peace to you from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ who gave himself for our sins to rescue us from the present evil age according to the will of God and uh, of our God and Father. Jesus rescued us. Jesus paid a price. It is God's gift of grace to you and his gift of grace to me. And it simply is received. Pride says, I'm going to work hard for this. Pride says, I'm going to do this. Pride says, I am going to figure out a way. That's pride. I can handle this on my own. 
This is just small stuff. I'll take care of that, God. You handle the big stuff. It's all small to God. Grace receives. Grace by faith receives. So with your heads bowed and your eyes closed this morning, I want to bring this to an end with this invitation today. If you're here today and perhaps you've been on the, the hamster wheel of good works, the hamster wheel of trying to be good enough, to try to do enough, to try to measure up, but hopefully you're hearing this morning that Jesus already has paid the price. He's already accomplished the goal. He has already rescued us. Now we receive by faith. And if you're here today and you've never prayed that way, you've never done that, would you just let me lead you in a very simple prayer today? Believing in your heart and confessing with your mouth that Jesus Christ is Lord and you will be saved. That is the first step. Anyone who this morning say, you know what, Pastor Brian, I, I've never been born again. I, I don't know exactly what all that means, but I, it sounds good to me. I want, I, I, I want Jesus to be the Lord of my life. Anyone, just hold your hand up real high. I want to lead you in a very simple prayer. Anyone at all? Hallelujah. There's a hand. Yes, thank you. Anyone else this morning? Praise God. Would you all pray this prayer with me? Heavenly Father. I come to you today in Jesus' name. I believe I need a Savior. And I believe Jesus paid a price for me. So Jesus, today, I make a confession of faith. I believe. I believe you're my Savior. You died for me. And you rose again. I accept today the free gift of salvation and I thank you for it in Jesus name Father I thank you for these that have prayed this prayer I thank you for the Holy Spirit working in their life right now to take that which is old that, that which is dead that is, which is contrary and I thank you that you're making it right that you are cleansing that you are removing and that you are putting a brand new life on the inside of them and it's by that life that they live it's by that life that they move and it's by that life that they have their very being and so, Father, I thank you for that. I thank you, Father, that we can be established in this grace and live in this grace and live in the freedom of Christ and not be entangled again with any yokes of bondage, but freely receive. And I thank you for that in the name of Jesus. And everybody said, amen. Before you're dismissed, I want to remind you once again that the prayer team is standing by. They will be here this morning. If you would like prayer for anything, they will be glad to pray with you, agree with you, and we'll see some miracles happen today in Jesus' name. God bless you. Have a great day.